Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. On today's show, I'm talking with the author of MindShift, Barbara Oakley, Breaking Through Obstacles to Learning and Discover Your Hidden Potential. It's a really, really fascinating book. In MindShift, Oakley is going to share stories of people from all over the world who have made unusual career changes and overcome enormous learning challenges providing valuable insights from second-chance learners. Dr. Oakley has a really eclectic resume from waitress to army officer, Russian translator to radio operator, and most recently, professor of engineering and author of last year's New York Times bestseller, A Mind for Numbers. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Dr. Barbara Oakley. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Jimmy. I heard about your book, and it really resonated with me for so many reasons. Uh, First of all, my show is called Get the Funk Out, and I'm very fascinated with different things you can do. Maybe it's a career change to get out of a funk. And I, I actually have gone through quite a few changes in my life. So I want to get into how you came up with the idea of this book. Well, for me personally, um, I did my own sort of mind shift of learning something new because I grew up hating math and science. I I flunked my way through elementary, middle, and high school math and science. And at age 26, I could see I just boxed myself into a complete corner career-wise. All I knew professionally how to do was I'd learned the Russian language, and there is just not much call for that. So I did a mind shift. I got the funk out, mm-hmm. and I, I decided to try to start learning math and science. And guess what? I'm now a professor of engineering, so it worked. Well, and, and here's another reason why this all resonated, is because when I was younger, I was a terrible student. I mean, I was the kid who saved everything to the night before. I couldn't understand math. And there is a science to learning. I have a background in instructional design, and there's everybody learns differently. Oh, that's so true. And you, it, it's fortunate you have a background in instructional design because I think that's actually one of the most fascinating careers out there right now. It's there's so much going on in instructional design for online learning. People don't realize what. There's a whole new world of learning. We always used to think, oh, you got to put your life on hold and go to the university in order to learn something really new that might be a little tough. No, there's these great courses online that you can just go and learn virtually anything you want and have a wonderful, happy, upbeat teacher inspiring you all along the way. Right. And sometimes we think... We can't learn math. It's too tricky for me. I don't get it. But you can learn a lot of things you'd be surprised. That, that's exactly right. You, um, we now know that through a little bit of practice that you can learn an enormous amount uh, and really change yourself through your learning at virtually any stage. I mean, even if you're 89 years old, you can learn new things and really be good at them. It, it might surprise you to learn that one of the best ways to, to um, keep yourself sharp is to play action-style video games. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why is that? <laughs> told, uh, well, it, 
there's great neuroscientific research that shows that the, the things you have to do in playing online video games are, they help to build your attentional mechanisms. They, they reinforce the very sorts of parts of your brain that begin to kind of slow down when you age. So that even if you're 70, you can sort of get your mind operating as if it was a 20-year-old mind again. And it, it's that quick watching things that are going on on the video screen when you're playing a video game that helps you to do that. That's incredible. Now, before we get into your book, I know that you have been heavily involved um, with MOOC, um, the Massive Open Online Course. Could you talk about that? Yes, indeed. Uh, I. It turns out that I teach the, the world's largest massive open online course. We have nearly 2 million registered students. Wow. People love it. They just love it. And the course I teach is called Learning How to Learn. And I have another one called MindShift. And that goes along with the book MindShift. The book MindShift is about how to help yourself help yourself to be reestablished or to think about new things that you may want to do that might enhance your career or that might just enhance your life that you might want to learn about but might be a little bit afraid to make that change. So it's a book meant to help inspire you by listening or, or learning about people's stories who've done some really interesting career changes and also just to help inspire you in learning new things because it turns out that if you involve yourself in lifelong learning, it can help make you feel better. You know, I fully agree with that. And sometimes you might think that a previous experience is not going to be relevant to the next experience, but they actually kind of connect sometimes. Surprisingly often they do. Research... Uh, a wonderful philosopher and historian of science, uh, Thomas Kuhn, found that people who make the most interesting contributions in science, paradigm shifts, are they're either really young people who haven't yet been indoctrinated in the discipline, or people, older people, who've changed careers. Those people bring insights from their other career to their new career. So let's say you're a failed golfer. You never made the big scene nationally. So you go into marketing. Well, guess what? You've got all sorts of information about golfing and sports in general that can be invaluable in your new job. Even for me, I learned Russian when I was in the military. You might think, that has nothing to do with (laughs) being uh, an engineer. Right. But it it actually is... valuable in helping me to become an engineer. Russian was invaluable for me because some of the tricks I used to learn Russian actually are the same tricks that help you learn engineering and math and I science see. more I effectively. Yes. So it, was, it turned out to be very helpful for me. I find that it's really fascinating how there's sometimes I think, I want to go back and learn French from high school. So I went to the library and I downloaded something. And there's a lot of times where you spend a little bit of time and you start learning something. And I do feel this, it's almost like a mental vacation because I've shifted um, my thinking or I've taken like a mental vacation. I'm learning. Well, what 
learning new things does is it helps keep you mentally fresh. It's, it's just as healthy for you as exercise. So um, it's interesting, some of the research on books, uh, reading books, as it, as it turns out, reading a book extends your life, lifetime. I mean, it, the people in the study who read for about three hours a week, and this is books, not magazines or online articles or anything, books, mm-hmm. had their lives extended on average by about three years. Wow. There's something restful and peaceful about book reading and, and learning new insights from people. Like, for me, I spent years um, figuring out and talking to people about how can you make a mind shift and, and learning from really interesting people how they had done it and sort of sharing the tips and tricks. So, you know, just a few evenings of, of reading can give you a sort of part of a lifetime of learning. Yes. Could you talk a little bit about second skilling and what it gives to you? Second skilling is an important way of thinking about careers nowadays. I mean, we all know that there's a whole lot of shift and change going on, and because of artificial intelligence and other technological changes, so I don't care if you're a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer or what you are, there's going to be career changes. So it's a very good idea to have a second skill kind of in the background that you're working on. And it can be either something that you think might enhance what you're doing in your career right now, or something that helps you branch out and simply be more resilient in the face of the the changes that are inevitably occurring. Yes. So you might be a lawyer learning about coding on the side, or you might just be passionate about photography if you want to learn more. In either case, it can give you some background that can help you be better at your job, even if the job seems quite different, and also more mentally acute. You know, one thing that comes to mind is I've taken some improv classes, and I thought, oh, I'm really not going to do much with improv. I don't see myself being, you know, somebody that's going to pursue that as a career. However, Sometimes skills like that, you can apply that to public speaking, to radio, to anything. You just never know. That's true. And sometimes we trap ourselves thinking that the only skill sets that we really need are the, the regular ones for our job. You're, you're learning a certain type of coding or a certain computer program that you need for your work. But we don't realize that there's these additional skills that that really can complement what you're doing. So if you're learning public speaking, if you're learning improv, mm-hmm. magic, these can give you uh, a lot of, they, they can really help boost your career because you get more used to interacting with others and presenting to others, and that's an invaluable skill. Yes. Now, one of the things that really intrigued me, well, there were, there were a lot in the book, was that you talk about how we're not really taught how to learn. And that struck a chord with me because, like I said earlier, I was a terrible, terrible student. Once you, once things click and you learn how to learn, I remember reading Howard Gardner with the seven different intelligences. Once you learn how to learn, your whole life opens up. So could you talk a little bit about that? 
I'd be glad to. I mean, first to go back to what you were saying, that you were a terrible student. What The first thing in, it's almost like the first principle of learning about learning and how to learn effectively is to understand that when you first sit down to look at something, if you can't figure it out, you're perfectly normal. Right. And in fact, um, what's going on is there's two separate networks in your brain. One is when you're focusing, and the other is when you're not focusing at all, not thinking about anything at all. And when you're tackling something tough, you first need to kind of like load it into your mind by focusing on it. And then when you start getting frustrated because you can't figure it out, you just need to back away and let that background processing of the default mode network do its work. Mm-hmm. And then when you return, it, it suddenly makes sense. And so we often, we don't understand this about our brains, and then we think, oh, you know, we couldn't figure it out right away, and so we must not be gifted in this. But actually, we can be. In fact, if you're slower to learn something, you can learn it more deeply. You speak it more carefully than the the race car brain learner. And if only people knew more about this, they they could be more successful in in many different things that they now think they can't do. Mm Mm-hmm. There are times where I remember my father saying, well, ask for extra help. There's no shame in that. And I finally got up the nerve. And then once you learn it, it stays with you. It does. At the same time, I recall what I was like, you know, when I was growing up and I was hating math and science. <laughs> um, it, I would go to my chemistry professor, or chemistry instructor, and, and I'd say, you, you know, well, I don't understand this. And I'd stand in front of him, and it was kind of like, I dare you. Right. Just see if you can put it in my brain. Yes, And yes. of course, if, if you're not really kind of trying, you, you just won't be able to learn, even if the teacher is a good one. Right. And I was so obstinate and kind of stuck that I, I, was, I, I didn't like this stuff, and I wasn't going to learn it, and I couldn't learn it that I blinded myself to the fact that actually I could learn it. I see. And that's interesting. I also know from my, my own having two daughters that I would say they're both visual learners. So if a teacher just stands up there and lectures, they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand the information. But if they are able to draw it out or make something out of the information, it's instilled in them. That's very true. In fact, um, a lot of people are learn very well visually. Um, it, it, uh, a big part of the brain is visually oriented. And so it sticks better if you can come up with visuals and visual ways of, of, um, of reimagining whatever you're being taught. But we also have to be really careful to think that one learning style is, is sort of our preferred learning style. Because if you just go by one style, you're actually not enhancing the other ways you have of learning. Learning through hearing, learning by touching, and so forth. Mm-hmm. It's always a good idea, as much as you can, to try and learn by using all of your senses. So even if you're learning a mathematical equation, for example, you, you visualize it, you visualize what it's doing, 
you almost feel the pressure of, uh, you know, when you're talking about Bernoulli's equation or something, you, you feel it, and you can hear things happening. The more you can imagine these kinds of things as you're, as you're figuring out uh, or learning um, new concepts in math and science and virtually anything, the more it will stick with you. And by the way, I know we have to wrap up soon. I found it really interesting, all the different career opportunities you've had on your resume from army officer, Russian translator. That's really intriguing. (laughs) I've had a lot of fun in my career, and that's really what I wanted to do with the book, was to help show people that, that you don't have to stick to one thing nowadays. And it's okay, and in fact, it's enjoyable to be changing and growing through your career and sometimes doing some dramatically different things. The one last thing I want to talk about is how you talk about what goes on in other countries. I think Singapore is one example you would use. That's right. Singapore is uh, it's a small country, around 5 million people, but they, they have some innovative ways of approaching both education and how they keep people thinking, uh, sort of being resilient in their careers. And so it's, it's, their thoughts are to do this second skilling, to try and reach out and enhance your career by getting new insights in other areas and training yourself in something new and keeping your, your mind active that way. And I think I went to Singapore and interviewed some fantastic people and uh, it, it was really fun to talk about uh, some of those, to share some of those insights in MindShift. Before we wrap, just tell me where people can find out more about you. Just go to www.barbaraoakley.com and you'll find everything. Perfect. Thank you so much. Bye.